So again, Wednesday, you know, I, uh, I was in bed and I, I didn't have a voice and I thought, I, I don't think, even if I feel good, I don't think I'll be able to preach. And so I feel great now, but my voice is still sketchy. And so I'm so glad that Steve's available uh, because he's a great preacher and a great man to hear from this morning. And so I'm glad that Steve can handle this part of Colossians for us today. So would you welcome Pastor Steve Watt? Thank you, Kurt. I think it's winter out there. I was texting Ted this morning, and he'd been praying for me, and I was praying for him, and I said, be warm, or stay warm, and be filled. Some of you got that. (laughs) The word says don't just say be warm, be filled, but in this case, it was appropriate. I love to fly. I've always been enamored with flight and being in an airplane, and I, the smaller the better in some ways because you can see a lot more. But any size of aircraft, wherever it's going, um, I've generally really treasured those times and enjoyed them, especially if I'm not stuck in the middle aisle um, <laughs> or the middle seat and I get to see something. I love Colossians kind of for the same reason, especially chapter 1, because you can see so much from the altitude. It's like being in a super jet and soaring up into the, into the stratosphere because I just like the big thoughts. I like the big thinking. I like to conceptualize, and I like what God's called us to. I like to think about heaven and, and all the promises we have in Jesus, and Colossians just kind of lays that out for us. The grace and peace he's given us. These are things we've already been through the last three weeks with Kurt. The confident hope we have in him, the bearing of fruit and changing of lives. They're, again, grace and peace. Again, the confident hope and expectation that he gives us, the knowledge that Jesus is absolutely and completely supreme, the creator of all things, the one who is there from, from the beginning and before and will be there forever, and that he has brought us this incredible peace with God. And so you ended with verse 23 of chapter 1 last week. I want to go back there this morning and just read it quickly, kind of like the landing strip or rather the launching pad, the, the runway that we're going to take off. Okay, you ready to fly? All right. But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. And now we're going to begin in in verse 24 this morning. I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. What? (laughs) I think we just took a nosedive. This is what he was called to? This is what we're called to? He continues, For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue in his body, the church. That's a problem for me because I don't like to suffer. I don't know anybody normal that likes to suffer. (laughs) He says, God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Well, if this is part of the message, this is the part that gets left out a lot. Are you ready to suffer this morning? <laughs> it really causes me to pause. You can't just glance over that and, and be mesmerized by the first part and not take stock here and say, what, what's he talking about? Suffering? Is that the call of God in our life? Last October, I, I really suffered. On October 1st, I, I started to get sick, actually a little bit the day before, and then that day I started to get really sick. 
radiating pain from the center of my chest a little bit lower, and I'm thinking hard. I'm thinking, what's going on here? I don't know. And then pretty soon I began to vomit. And, and I continued to vomit periodically, severely. And I was losing strength, and I was, this pain was beginning to just monopolize my being. And my wife finally took um, grace on me and said, we're going to the emergency. We're going now. And so we got in the car and headed down. I said, no, 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 just take me to, to, to the dock in the box. I don't need the emergency. And, uh, and she just went in and described there what was going on. They said, no, you need to be in emergency. And so we went to emergency down in Bellingham, got me in the thing and started to take tests on me. And I learned about the lipase. Some of you know about lipase. I didn't know what lipase was. I didn't know what a pancreas was hardly, but we all got one, right? And the pancreas creates this enzyme called lipase. It's not the only one, but it's one of the main ones. And it secretes it down into the intestines. And it, you know, it's the mandibles, the chopper. It's, it's the thing that consumes the food that you eat. It breaks it down. It's powerful as an agent. Well, the normal lipase level in a person's blood is between 12 and 70. If it gets over 70, they call that acute pancreatitis. And the, the doc looked at me and said, you have a, a lipase level of 3,000. I said, so? <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and he said, well, we know what's going on. And they took the scans and all of that. And he said, you're going in the hospital. And at that time, I, I was still thinking I was going home. I was 11 days in the hospital. First several days... No food, no drink, nothing through the mouth. It was only what I could get through an IV. And, and they got control of my vomiting and, you know, began to pump me full of pain meds. I came out of there 11 days later taking three codeine every three hours, still trying to get over it. And I, and I got through that pretty quickly because I didn't want to be stuck there. But I suffered a bit. It, was, it wasn't fun. So weak. I've never been that weak in my life. Weak as a, as a tiny newborn kitten. I mean, just... Nothing manly <laughs> about being sick in the hospital. And, uh, and yet it was nothing compared to what Paul went through. If you go to 2 Corinthians 11 with me on the screen, you'll see that Paul says, five times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Okay, one was considered what could kill a man. Five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. That's a geological term having to do with rocks. Okay. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. One time I spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Wow. And then as he finishes this chapter and goes into chapter 12, he says, plus, I've carried in me the weight of all the churches, you know, the emotional, the spiritual struggle within, the, the heaviness of giving birth to these churches and, and mothering them into life. And then as he continues in that chapter, it's like this is the, this is the strangest light, flight path because we're still in this note dive, and suddenly he cranks it up and he says, man, I've been to heaven, I've experienced the glories and the vision of who Jesus is and what heaven is like. And, and it was so much that God humbled me because I was up here. I, I couldn't relate to people as what I read into that. God had to humble me. He gave me a, we all know this famous phrase, a thorn in the flesh. And then the flight's coming down. And he said, I beg God three times, take this away from me. And then 
as we get to verse 9 and 10, he says, God says to Paul, my grace is all you need. My power, read it with me. My power works best in weakness. Let's try that again. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I know we all do that in our regular conversations, right? That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. This is part of the clue to suffering. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. In the middle of my weakness in the hospital, and especially toward the end of it, I discovered the strength of Jesus. It wasn't a manly strength. It wasn't the strength that made you want to jump out of bed. It wasn't the kind of strength that gave you any kind of confidence. It was the strength of knowing that he's there and that he loves you. And there's no better strength. There's no better strength. And while I would never wish pancreatitis on anybody, mine was idiopathic. I said I always knew I was idiosomething. Um, meaning they don't know what caused it because I don't drink alcohol and I, I don't have a gallbladder anymore, so it wasn't gallstones. Those are the two primary causes. So they don't know why I got it. Apparently I should never worry about getting it again. I hope you never worry about getting it. It's horrible. But I want to say that in my weakness I discovered something that will carry me the rest of my life, a memory and an impression and a, a sense of the closeness and the strength of Jesus relationally in you. Let's go back to Colossians, verse 26. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know the riches and glory of Christ. Of Christ. Mm. And that it's for you Gentiles too. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his story. Wow. I want to look at those verses, four verses there, three points that I'll give you this morning. But I want to look at them in a little bit different way. And I I just think different, okay? But I like the term reverse engineering. And many of you know what that is. But let me share it with you real quickly. It's an engineering process where you first determine a design purpose. You look at something that exists and you say, what's it there for? And then you, you observe how it works. And then next slide, please. As you go in this process, you disassemble the thing, and you see really how it's built together and what makes it tick. And then you analyze the whole thing together and finally reproduce it. And people use this to steal technology sometimes. And and God would be pleased if we would steal his word this morning, if we would grab a hold of it and take it as our own and live with it. So I want to kind of go backwards through the verses we've already read and, and so the whole passage is going to be on screen there. We're not going to read it again that way, but we will read it starting at the back and, and moving forward. And point number one as we do that is this. Christ lives in you. And you guys, that's not a doctrine. That's a revelation to your heart. That's a powerful knowledge that's got to get from here to here, become consuming to your life. It changes everything in our lives when we really get that. And so, again, Paul says, I'm glad when I suffer. But he brings it to this point at the end of these verses. He says, this is the secret. Christ lives in 
you. Now, to the Hebrew mind, this was incredible. And I don't mean in a good way. I mean it was blasphemous. It was preposterous. It was impossible for the Hebrew mind raised in Judaism in the time of Paul, in the time of Jesus, in the New Testament, to have conceived what he says here and really think about it. Because you look at at religion, the Jewish faith, and it's all based on a temple. And it's all based on this presence of God being in one place. And to get to the presence of God, you had to pass the outside altar and the laver and do the ceremonial washings. You had to go into the holy place and pass the table of showbread and, and the altar of incense and all this stuff. And then you've got this massive curtain that separates the holy of holies from the holy place. And you've got to get past this curtain and into this holy of holies where the presence of God rested over the ark. Oh, and by the way, only one person a year got to do that. And he was called the high priest. And so the idea that the presence of God could rest in your heart, that you could be the temple and carry his presence with you wherever you go, it's an incredible thing. It's a revelation. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We were in 2 Corinthians a minute ago. I want to go back to it. Different, different chapter. But for God who said, St. Paul, light shall shine out of darkness is the one who is shown where? In our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Wow. We're... We're beyond the stratosphere. Always wanted to be an astronaut. We're sailing as high as you can get. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Oh, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing. We're all a bunch, bunch of pots, you know, right? We're, we're a bunch of pots. I think of myself as a crack pot, okay? <laughs> Some of you can relate. Somehow through the crack can shine, through the weakness in the pot, through the, the fissures in the structure can shine the very presence of Jesus Christ who makes the difference through my weakness in my life. That's a picture I carry with me. I have since I encountered this verse many, 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 many years ago. That's who I am. I'm just a pot. I'm just a clay structure. I I picture the pots. I I can hear them talking. Hey, clay. Yeah, Ern. Have you noticed terracotta lately? Same cracks and fissures as always, but there's this, this glow about her. Here's the truth. Here's the maturity and how to gain maturity as a Christian. It's not mostly about you. It's mostly about the treasure. The more I... I mean, I know we do a lot of things to help us process life. And life is complicated and and yucky at times and difficult. And there's a lot of suffering going on internally and externally. And so we take classes. We do all of these things. And they're good things. And I'm not dissing any of them this morning. But there's this overarching reality that I find healing and strength and confidence and assurance to live life and go forward when I recognize it's not mostly about the pot anyway. It's about what's in it. It's about the treasure of Christ in me. 
Thank you, Kurt. I thought I'd get one. <laughs> Most people don't truly embrace Christianity. Most people. But if you and I, if we could fix our vision on Jesus and hold on to it every single day, Christ in us, well, how would that impact our other relationships? Paul said elsewhere that to those who are being saved, drawn by the Holy Spirit into the knowledge of Christ, for those who are being saved, the rest of the Christians are like a sweet-smelling aroma. Woo! And to those who are rejecting Christ, we are a stench in their nostrils. Wow. Point number two this morning. This mystery of the ages, and hopefully you can all define what it is real easily now, is Christ in us, belongs to you in a conduit of love and purpose. It's not yours just to enjoy. It's part of a bigger plan. That he has brought his presence into our lives in a real way because he has a larger purpose. His purpose is to love us. His purpose is to redeem us. His purpose is to carry us into a relationship that will last for eternity. But God is still fulfilling a covenant that started before Moses ever breathed the breath. It's the Abrahamic covenant, which was his intention to what? Bless all the nations of the earth. And he promised Abraham he would do that through him and through his seed. And that seed eventually became Christ, and Christ now lives in us. And that's what this is about, is God's fulfilling that in our lives. You own this mystery, this thing that Paul calls God's secret. Everybody loves a mystery, right? But the only reason we love a mystery is we think we might figure it out. We might get to the end of it. We might discover it. It might become our mystery. This is our mystery. I love our doctrines. I love to study them. I, I, I enjoy hermeneutics and, and apologetics and all those kinds of Christian things. But those aren't what I, what I go to bed with. Those aren't what I think about when I lay my head on the pillow. It's Jesus. Can I just kind of curl up in you tonight? Can I just, just be in your love? I'm not talking about feelings. I need to distinguish that. I'm talking about embracing by faith the reality, the truth of what God has given us. That he's there with me all the time. Wow. This is the most incredible plot twist of all times. The one in which the word says angels long to look. This is the power that shakes the universe. This is the supreme Jesus and a supreme stroke where he reaches into humanity and fulfills God's promises through you. 1 Peter 3.15, we got Peter in here a little bit. He says, you must worship Christ as, as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Now, I've been in teaching and classes all my life. I've led a few about how to share the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or how to share with an unbeliever about Jesus and what scriptures to use and all of this. But really, you guys, it's this easy. It's this simple. I know Jesus. I don't mean I went and visited him one day. I mean, I know Jesus. He lives in me. 
And hopefully by the time you get to somebody to actually share that, they've already seen it. They didn't know what they were looking at, but suddenly they understand. That's powerful. The mystery, which is the gospel, which is Jesus, he lives in me. He lives in you. And he can live in you too, somebody who doesn't know yet. That's his desire. That's the covenant we live under. That's the secret that needs to get out. That's the mystery that must be shared. Back to Colossians. Verse 28. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Wow. Point number three this morning is embracing these two realities. What are the realities? Christ in you, and that this is a mystery for you to possess. Embracing those realities eclipses, which means to overshadow or to overwhelm any discomfort your sharing may bring to you. Those truths overwhelm the issue of suffering, the gospel, the mystery, the possibility of Christ in another you to take this incredible revelation that is yours and pass it on to a family member, a co-worker, a child in Haiti, a neighbor, an enemy. It's worth suffering discomfort for it. Three quick illustrations this morning. Some of you know about Fraser Valley Gleaners. It's just across the Sumas border. Um, they take vegetables that are donated to them in the thousands of tons, in the truckloads, and they process them with volunteers Monday through Friday mornings every week. And volunteers go up and you stand, you know, with a whole bunch of other Christians who are from all over, mostly Canadians, and, and you, they give you a knife, scary thing, and an apron. And you stand there and you process vegetables and and you're cleaning them and cutting the bad stuff out. And it all gets collected and it goes into a chipper and then it goes into trays and gets dried. And then it it gets combined and made into soup. And the soup goes all over the world to feed hungry children in the name of Jesus. It's a a great thing. And Karen and I have determined that we wanted to do that occasionally. So um, last week, not the week we just finished, but the one before we went up there. And uh, having been there before, and we thought, this is great. We're going we're to do it. We walk in the building and something's a little odd and we get closer to the, the warehouse area where all this goes and, and we realize and we, we see them on the, on the huge flat carts, Walla Walla sweet onions. I mean, the room is full of them. And not only are they um, peeling them, the outer layers off, then they're cutting them in half and then they go into this chipper and so there's onion just everywhere. I mean, it's permeating the air. It's, it's atomized and dissolved into everything around you. And immediately your eyes begin to sting and you begin to cry. And, and I hear people saying, yeah, about 15 minutes. You'll, you'll get used to it. And I'm at 20 minutes and 25 minutes. And I'm standing in this soup assembly line and I'm thinking, man, I just went out of here. I, maybe I'm the exception. I mean, everybody's, you know, a little different in sensitivity, but this really hurts. And I'm, I'm like this all the time, trying to see what I'm doing, you know, but just blinking, and, and finally it gets better. We went up there yesterday, Friday, and, and we came prepared. We had safety glasses. 
<laughs> you know, wrap around and get tight, you know. They were doing parsnips. <laughs> but the reason I stayed there in the onions was because I had a picture in my mind of children eating soup. One bag of these soup, there's a picture of it there for you, feeds 100 kids in the name of Christ in over 40 nations, 27 just last year. Wow. It's worth suffering if you have a cause. So I've been retired now for 34 days. <laughs> I've told a few people and they seem to laugh, so I'll tell you my ship finally came in. Came in a week ago last Tuesday from Denmark. Um, I've, as much as I love flying, I also love tall ships. I think tall ships are beautiful. I just love to see the stately, you know, with the, the, the sails all furred out on the high seas. I mean, I, pictures I have in my, my office was here. I had lighthouses and pictures of ships and, and just love the ships. So I, I wanted to build a wooden ship. And so my kids for my birthday, which was right after Christmas and my retirement combined, gave me the money for a tall ship. So um, it's about this big. And... <laughs> And I ordered it. It is from Denmark. And, and I'm, I'm having fun with it. I counted up the parts actually just this morning. There are 995 parts. And a lot of those parts, parts get broken down like long planks become little planks. And, and, and four of those parts are spools, you know, of rigging and, and wiring. And so this is going to take me months to complete this thing. But what's, what's been crazy is... <clears throat> Supposedly it's in like seven languages. And I thought, well, I can deal with that, you know. Yeah, but there's no instructions. All there is is drawings and a parts list. And yeah, that's all in, well, drawings are in every language, right? But the parts list is in seven languages. But it's crazy trying to figure it out, trying to, you know, cut things and put things together. And you realize, especially when you're, you're putting in, you know, the basis of the ship, if I do this wrong, <laughs> I'm going to live with it. And there are times I've realized, oh, man, I, I, I put that bulwark in the wrong place. And it, I, it's, it's longer than it's supposed to be. I've got to cut this thing apart. And part of me wants to throw my hands up and just say, forget it. I'm done. Walk out of the room. And, and I failed. And then I, I think about it a little while. And I come back and I, well, take out the knife and go to work and see if I can't make this thing work. What I'm telling you is I've suffered a bit with the ship. And somehow it all works out, and the reason it does is I have a vision in my mind of a finished product. And for some reason, that did a really weird thing. There's a beautiful tall ship on that screen <laughs> that got lost in the computer. <laughs> Envision it. It's gorgeous. Three-master schooner, you know. It's got four cannons and, and ten deck guns, and it's beautiful. The view to the end, the vision of the finished product is what will carry me through the suffering of my own inadequacies and my mistakes along the way. It will. Third and last illustration. This one's really fast. How many of you are parents? Raise your hand. How many of you have suffered for your kids? Raise your other hand. <laughs> okay, you get it, don't you? Why? Because you love them. Because they changed your life. I'll just leave it there. And 
And you have a vision for their future. And our Jesus stood and said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword, and I'll even divide in the middle of families because I'm the treasure. I'm the glory. I'm supreme. I'm everything. And if you've ever been willing to suffer for your kids, I want to say to you this morning, there's a hierarchy in life, and Jesus is at the top. That's not the Christianity I signed up for. I'm I'm sorry, but it is. It is. If you signed up, this is part of it. I have a deep abiding ache to remain relevant in retirement. Invested in Jesus' kingdom. Kurt didn't know that when he called me. but His kingdom is the growing family of souls who house and carry the glory of Jesus' presence wherever they go. It's you. It's those who embraced the mystery and are committing to extend it on mission trips, bearers of light as they stand as door greeters in church, kids workers and be the one partners, mentors, those who pray with vision and passion, those who co-labor in the sacrifice of others, those who hone their story with an expectation to actually share it. It's a vision of God's glory in the earth accomplished in people, in his ecclesia, it's his church, it's here in this place, it's in Nepal, it's in India, it's in Bangladesh. As Matthew Smith, our brother, will be there this week with our prayers. It involves suffering and filling up the suffering that is lacking. Why is it lacking? Because not everybody knows yet. And because it takes stalwart people who will embrace the truth of it even to the extent of suffering in their own lives, to complete it. It's in your house. It's in your family. It's where you work. And I just want to continue to impart that vision and share it. I don't know if I'll ever preach again. That's not the point. I can use my life, whether it's doing soup or talking to my neighbor or wherever I'm at, whatever I'm doing, my life can share the glory of He who I carry in my heart, Jesus Christ. Here's the key. Where you focus, where you dream, where you invest, you will create inward passion. There have been times in my life I felt passionless. I knew I was a Christian. I knew I was saved, but I didn't feel a lot of passion. I didn't have a lot of energy for what I knew to be true. Let me say it again. Where you focus, where you dream, and where you invest, you create passion. And here's my promise. You'll suffer for it. It'll cost you something. Again and again and again and again. Why? Why do I have to suffer for the mystery? Why do I have to suffer for this vision? Well, this will be real practical. Not everybody will understand it. Not everybody's going to get it. They're not going to get you. They're not going to know why you're different. You'll be misunderstood. You'll be underappreciated. You'll be even resisted because not everybody cares, right? Some are deceived by another religion. Some are distracted by the cares of life, as in the parable of the sower. Some are determined to rise up on their own and surrender to none. 
or devoted to vain philosophies, trusting in education or wealth or fame or any number of other things. Some are demonically inspired and fueled to oppose you. And some are just disillusioned and demoralized by the failure of Christians to shine and to show the mystery, which is the love of Jesus. But the strength of your vision, the degree to which you are all in with Christ in you will determine your readiness to do whatever it takes, including, quote-unquote, participate in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Let's pull back the throttle and head up to the skies again. We're going to conclude with the last five verses of Colossians chapter 2. First verses of Colossians 2, last five verses this morning. I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and for the church at Laodicea, Paul says. And for many other believers who have never met me personally, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him, would you read this with me? In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. He says, I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and your faith in Christ is strong. Father, I pray for every person here this morning. I just have a glimpse today in my heart of how precious they are to you, of how they are your treasure. They're the reason you went to the cross. You love them uncategorically without hesitation. You suffered more than anyone for every one of us. I pray that you would fuel us this morning. Fuel us, Lord, with the confidence and the assurance, the determination within that we're not going to live life without paying attention to the most important part of it that we're going to redetermine and refocus and recommit our lives to your presence in us. We're going to worship you, not as someone who's far off in a distant place, but someone who lives in us, who animates our lives, who can speak to us in any moment, at any time, and who shines by your very nature when we let you. God, encourage us. Strengthen our faith. Strengthen our hearts. Help us to see going to church on Sunday is not just another detail in the week, but the pinnacle, the highlight of coming and being with others who are a bunch of crackpots who wonderfully can share the glory and the knowledge of the mystery within with each other. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We honor you above all. We make you supreme again afresh. Forgive us, Lord, even for the rest of the day and for tomorrow. We may root for a team in the Super Bowl and and get all hung up, (laughs) especially if they lose. You know I don't care. (laughs) Jesus, be number one. 
Jesus, be close. When we're weak, be our strength. Amen. Amen. I invite you to worship together and to get out of your seat and come up and receive from the, the cup this morning the symbol of the blood of Jesus and from the bread which symbolizes his body and then take it back to your seat. Thank you.